This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is brought to you by Artbase. Are you managing an art collection or an artist studio or a gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? Well, Artbase is the right software to manage your art business. Artbase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. Enter your data once, and you can use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and so much more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used on the cloud from any location on any device. So what are you waiting for? Go to artbase.com today to learn more and be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. I want to start off by wishing everyone a happy new year. Hope you had a relaxing holiday season and your 2021 is starting off on the right foot. Unfortunately, although it's a new year, we're still dealing with lockdowns in different parts of the world, which has resulted in some galleries not being able to physically open yet. We hope everyone's staying safe, and on a more positive note, the vaccine's beginning to be distributed, and maybe there's a chance of more social activities, including art fairs, towards the end of the year. In this week's episode of the podcast, we're joined by Zachary Small, a contributor at the New York Times. Zachary recently wrote an article on looming increased regulations for the antiquities market as a result of the National Defense Authorization Act being passed by U.S. Congress. We chat with Zachary about how this came to fruition and its ramifications on the antiquities market. As there were increased calls for regulation in the art market, we thought it was important to speak with Zachary about the significant development in the antiquities market. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Zachary, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you wrote a really fantastic article in the New York Times about Congress passing the National Defense Authorization Act, and surprisingly, one aspect of that bill is applying increased regulations to the antiquities market. What was the motivation for increased regulations from Congress, and why is the antiquities market in a bill about national defense? So these regulations come after about 12 years of efforts on the part of regulators and congresspeople trying to look at not only the antiquities market, but also the art market and say, you know, what can be done to make these different industries more accountable in terms of who's buying and selling objects and where that money is going. Why you see something like this, which you probably wouldn't expect in a defense bill to appear here, is because those questions of money laundering, for instance, are a national security question, right? So there's been a lot of reporting in recent years following um, ISIS in the Middle East and the destruction of cultural uh, property there, the looting of cultural property as well, um, following where those black market antiquities are going. Um, so there's been a lot of evidence already out in the broader market that there's some illicit activity. And what a lot of these regulators are saying is, you know, they want to make sure that there's some accountability and some way to measure what's happening in a market that, uh, you know, for many years has not really seen the same type of tight regulations you uh, might think would occur, you know, in, in a market that's passing hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars uh, every week. 
Got it. That makes sense. And so what do we know so far about what the increased regulations will look like for the antiquities market? Right. So it's still kind of early days. What the uh, bill within the National Defense uh, Authorization Act does is set up a framework for creating these. So it's an extension of the 1970s Bank Secrecy Act, which itself is about putting forward all of these other regulations. Uh, How that happens is through the Treasury Department. It's a group called the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. And they work with experts, the public, uh, the market as well, and sort of, you know, trying to figure out what the right regulations would be for every industry. What we're probably going to see in the antiquities market uh, is going to be something very similar to what we've seen in the metal and jewelry industries, which means that certain transactions were flagged by authorities who then determine whether or not they're suspicious. Um, these sort of red flags, uh, you know, would be handled in-house by compliance departments or other employees, whether that's in an auction house or a gallery that would be dealing in antiquities. So I think the lack of transparency in the art world is appealing to a lot of people, even if there's nothing illicit going on. For example, there's value in dealers and auction houses not sharing client information about buyers or sellers with others, including their competitors. Is there an aspect of this bill in this regulation in which there will be more transparency about who buys something, who sells something? And if so, how much pushback was there and is there from the art trade, including dealers and even auction houses who are significantly involved in the market? Right. So just to address your first question there, there, you know, there's certainly the spirit of this bill and, and how it's going to extend the Bank Secrecy Act. It is about increasing transparency in the market. Uh, one of the things that this bill, which is called the Corporate uh, Transparency Act, that's sort of what was shuffled into national defense, um, is establishing beneficial ownership. Uh, that is specifically trying to confront the way that shell companies are used to buy and sell objects, you know, basically pass around money without actually knowing where the money is going, who it's benefiting. So, you know, a lot of people have been asking for that type of transparency for many years. Um, How exactly that's going to change the market in terms of, you know, a regular um, trade it kind of remains to be seen, and that's going to be part of uh, FinCEN's job to figure out the, you know, the requirements for that. Uh, in, in terms of, you know, pushback to these types of measures, we've definitely seen a lot of pushback against it, um, both from trade organizations within the antiquities market and the art market, as well as bigger auction houses. Um, so looking through federal disclosures over the last two years, Uh, The auction house Christie's has actually spent $100,000 on lobbyists to go to Congress and influence this bill and similar ones like it. So we know, um, you know, based on that and based on comments that have been made publicly by uh, people that have worked at Christie's before within compliance, uh, there was actually a a 2018 uh, conference at the Fashion Institute of Technology, which has a good art market program. Uh, and a, a lawyer who used to work with Christie's was saying, you know, we have compliance within the auction house already. You know, we're doing a good job. Why do we need more? That's essentially the position that you're going to hear from a lot of people within the industry. You know, that the big places that have compliance are already doing it. Why do we need more? Um, other things that you'll hear, too, sometimes from the trade organizations is that these regulations are overwrought. 
and that they're going to be a financial burden uh, to galleries. It was several parties within the art world not behind this bill. Who are the primary parties advocating for increased regulation in the antiquities market? Um, in terms of the primary parties, I mean, you have, of course, the Congress people that have been trying to push this forward. It's been a bipartisan approach, um, you know, over the last 12 years. Luke Messer, a Republican from Indiana, tried to push similar legislation. Gerald Nadler of New York, of course, the great Congresswoman Maxine Waters uh, and the Corporate Transparency Act um, that was finally made into law was uh, presented by Carolyn Maloney, uh, who's a Democrat from New York. So certainly you have, you know, an interest in Congress, an interest in, um, you know, broader regulatory powers, uh, lawyers within the anti-money laundering sort of industry uh, have also been pointing to the sector for a long time. Uh, the Antiquities Coalition, which looks, uh, you know, it's a nonprofit that is looking at the black market on antiquities, has wanted this for a long time. So there has definitely been a groundswell of support that's just grown stronger and stronger every year, uh, trying to bring these regula regulations to fruition. Something interesting I read in your article, I think you quoted a dealer who said that they thought that the illicit sales of antiquities is actually overblown. I mean, I understand they're probably opposed to increased regulations, and so naturally, that's kind of a self-serving quote, but do we actually have a sense of how large of a problem illicit sales of antiquities is? We do have some sense, but I would say it's by no means a complete picture. I mean, by nature, the black market is obscure and opaque, right? Um, so what the dealers are usually referring to is a study done by the RAND Corporation, uh, I believe last year, two years ago, uh, that was looking at the question of how widespread uh, the illicit trade of antiquities was. They found that it, it wasn't as big as people were saying. But then on the other hand, we have you know, law enforcement saying that it is a problem, right? We have the people actually tracking this saying it's a problem. We have reports you know, within Europe, within the U.S., that is a problem. Of course, you know, probably one that comes to most Americans' minds is the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., uh, which is owned by Hobby Lobby. And it's had a huge problem uh, with having to return antiquities that were either forgeries or had been stolen and traded on the black market. Uh, and Hobby Lobby, you know, purports that it, it had no knowledge of this when it purchased. So, you know, there, there's definitely different sides. It's hard to say for certain how big the problem is, but I think it's if you ask a law enforcement official or a regulator that's been looking into this for many years, they would say that it's certainly a problem. Well, this is a really interesting area of the market that we'll be following as these increased regulations are further defined and eventually implemented. Do you have a sense of what the timeline is for these regulations as well as what the next steps are? Yeah, so in terms of the timeline, it is a little bit loose. Uh, when I talked to people behind the legislation, they said that usually regulations from FinCEN take about a year to create. Um, you know, there's been a lot of complaints within the industry that these regulations would come without advisement, but um, that's, that's not the case. FinCEN does work with the market and the public, um, as I said before, to create uh, whatever regulations would best suit the industry and help the industry, both with compliance, but, you know, so it's not overly burdensome. So the, the worry is that this will increase costs uh, substantially. Uh, if you ask the legislators and regulators, they would say that that's unfounded. 
Zachary, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast and chatting with us about some of the reporting you've done on this topic. We definitely recommend our listeners check out your article in the New York Times, as well as some of your other recent articles about the art world, which are equally fascinating. And if you want to follow you on social media, how can we find you? Yeah, um, probably the best way is on Twitter. My Instagram's pretty boring, <laughs> uh, but both have the same handle. It's just at, it's at Zachary H. Small. Uh, so you can find me there. Perfect. Thanks so much again, Zachary. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much to Artbase for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. Are you managing an art collection, an artist studio, or gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? Well, Artbase is the right software to manage your art business. Artbase lets you track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. Enter your data just once and use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and much more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used on the cloud from any location on any device. So what are you waiting for? Go to artbase.com, that's A-R-T-B-A-S-E.com to learn more, and be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount.